Hello and welcome to the weekend wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison and it is Sunday the 10th of July in the year 2022. And what a humongous, massive end of the week it was this week. Since we last spoke on the week on Wednesday with myself and Van Batam, so much has happened right around the world. Of course, Boris Johnson has stepped down as leader of the British Conservative Party, the Tory party, amongst much fanfare and jubilation from the people of the United Kingdom. Of course, Boris Johnson has been embroiled in scandal after scandal after scandal, has overseen the largest decline in British living standards in recent history, uh, oversaw the bungled Brexit exit, and of course has seen a terrible, terrible uh, response to the COVID pandemic in Britain. Uh, And it turns out that perhaps his lack of ethics and morals have been what has undone him in the end uh, with the investigations about how he conducted himself during the pandemic, uh, including whether or not he was having parties at 10 Downing Street, seeming to be the final straw with mass resignations from his cabinet uh, leading to his eventual decision to step down. Strangely, Britain had something like three or four education ministers within the space of two days. Now, of course, attention turns to who will be the next Tory leader. And of course, the unusual circumstances which see Boris Johnson no longer leading the Conservative Party, but still Prime Minister until October. Uh, this is a very strange situation. And People have commented he could have quite easily stood down as Prime Minister and allowed the Deputy Prime Minister to be acting Prime Minister, but he's decided not to do that. And in fact, he continues to make cabinet appointments with some of his controversial choices, including people who are reported to have downplayed accusations of sexual harassment uh, made by colleagues uh, against uh, other colleagues, uh, and a new Education Minister who flipped the bird, gave the middle finger to uh, crowds outside 10 Downing Street. So that's Boris Johnson and his departure. His departure from office will be as controversial as his ascendancy to it by the looks of things. Uh, Of course, he's not the only uh, international story this week. Sri Lanka uh, has seen the president and the prime minister announce their resignation. Uh, The presidential palace was overrun by protesters in Sri Lanka following uh, what has been a very difficult set of economic and health circumstances in the country, accusations of corruption, economic mismanagement, and of course, a very lavish lifestyle that the president was leading, as it turns out, has been revealed as ordinary citizens have uh, used the presidential palace to make meals and enjoy the swimming pool. And some of the photos are really uh, quite uh, quite surreal, as you see ordinary citizens living for a day, perhaps at least, uh, as though they were the president. So Sri Lanka going through some political turmoil of its own. And of course, tragic news out of Japan, uh, where former Prime Minister Abe was assassinated uh, at a political campaign event. Uh, now, of course, Abe is no longer prime minister or leader of his party, but is a huge figure in Japanese politics, having been the longest serving prime minister in that country's history. Uh, he was shot and killed by 
what appears to be a disgruntled conspiracy theorist using a homemade firearm. Japan, of course, does not have uh, very many firearms. It's quite difficult to obtain a firearm in Japan. And as a result, the statistics show that firearm deaths in Japan run at somewhere under 10 a year. This was appears to have been a homemade weapon, uh, and he was shot at close range uh, at this event. Now, there's lots of inquests into how this happened and why this happened, but it does appear that this individual was a disgruntled uh, individual who uh, had left writings, uh, many of which aligned to some well-known conspiracy theorist concepts. Of course, the international community, and Australia being no exception to this, were quick to praise Abe and his contribution, not just to Japan, but to the region and indeed the world. Uh, Of course, there were then the usual suspects, if you like, the the poorly thought out, the the ego-driven, the unconscious or perhaps conscious bias of some individuals then have played out, as we saw. So anyone who saw my tweet uh, about the Sydney Morning Herald article that referred to our own Prime Minister and used uh, the term sniper in the headline uh, and target in the headline, will be aware that there has been quite a great deal of outrage about that. The day after, the day after a world leader, an elder statesman of Japan is assassinated, you have a major Australian newspaper running a headline that talks about our Prime Minister being a target and snipers. Now, of course, the article itself was also drivel, and the headline was eventually changed, but it goes to the problem with the way Bevan Shields is running the Sydney Morning Herald. This is one of many incidents that have occurred in the last six months. Of course, we all remember Bevan overruling his own journalists and insisting that the New South Wales government lockout of transport workers was a strike when it was not. We all remember that he outed Rebel Wilson, published a piece that outed Rebel Wilson, then published a half-hearted apology and threw the journalist under the bus. Uh, And of course, now we have this piece, which was a direct attack on Prime Minister Albanese and framed in possibly the worst and most inappropriately disgusting way imaginable given the context and the circumstance. Now, any one of these issues would be a problem in and of themselves, and we've talked about them before, but all three combined show a lack of judgment, a lack of judgment on the behalf of the editor of the Sydney Morning Herald. And of course, Karen Andrews, former minister Karen Andrews, who was called a minister in some publications, came out with the nonsense that it's only a matter of time before something like what happened to former Prime Minister Abe happens here in Australia. Now, it is not a matter of time, and it is a disgrace, a disgrace that the party, the so-called party 
of law and order would say that these things are inevitable. They are not inevitable. They are preventable. There are many ways and many things that must be done to prevent them. And in Japan, they're currently undergoing the investigation to discover what went wrong there on many levels, not just the security of Abe on the day, but of course, why was this individual able to make a homemade firearm? How was this disgruntled conspiracy theorist able to develop these ideas and get to the point where he enacted violence against a public figure? These are questions that require deep analysis, thorough answers, and holistic solutions, not glib headlines in the Sydney Morning Herald, not sound bites from former ministers about the inevitability of these things. It's a very American approach that the Liberals are taking at the moment. They've got their culture war about schools, and now apparently shootings are inevitable. It is disturbing, to say the very least, that this is where we are that we have the editor of a major newspaper, perhaps one of the most read news outlets in the country, running running nonsense, running things that are untrue, running things that his journalists tell him are untrue, running things that expose people to harm and damage. All three of those stories that I mentioned, the lockout story, the outing story, and the sniper headline story, have potential to cause harm to people, to cause other people to do harm to other people. There is a responsibility here on the behalf of the media and the opposition, Karen Andrews and Peter Dutton, to behave responsibly, to ensure that what they're doing is not inflaming already volatile situations. In all three of those instances, The Sydney Morning Herald was inflaming volatile circumstances. Now, thankfully, at this point, no one has been physically harmed from any of those articles, and we hope that remains to be the case. Thankfully, at this point, Karen Andrews' prediction of inevitability has not proven to be true. Karen Andrews, you would think, you would hope, as a former minister of the Commonwealth, would be engaging in how we prevent such things from happening here rather than simply throwing up her hands and saying there's nothing we can do. Because there's lots and lots we can do. One of the key things we can do is ensure that people have secure employment, that they feel a sense of connectivity to their community, a connectivity to their workmates, their colleagues, their family and extended communities. And that's why it's so important to be involved in your union. And you can join your union at australianunions.org.au slash wow. That's W-O-W for week on Wednesday. And the reason I bring this up is because in Sydney right now, the New South Wales government has been trying, the New South Wales Liberal government has been trying to stop rail workers from taking industrial action to make the rail network safer. The New South Wales Liberal government has been taking legal action to stop rail workers taking action to make the rail network safer. Let that sink in for a moment. Now, the Fair Work Commission has said that the New South Wales government's uh, 
approach to this was wrong and they've overruled the New South Wales government and the industrial action will take place, which will have minimal impact. There will be some impact on commuters, but it will be minimal impact on commuters. In fact, the Fair Work Commission found that the New South Wales government's evidence was absent. In fact, the quote is, there was an absence of reliable evidence from the New South Wales government. This is a dispute about the safety of the rail network in New South Wales. But, you know, the New South Wales government is not the only player undermining job security, safety at work. Tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon at noon in Preston in Melbourne, it's 6-23 Bell Street, Preston, there will be a protest outside Carpet Court because Tuft Masters, the carpet makers, are trying to cancel the agreement of those workers, unwinding many, many years of improved conditions, of negotiated outcomes, just abolishing them. That's what they're trying to do. Now, the current system allows them to do that. And they're not the only ones. Another example is Svitsa. Now, Svitsa runs tugboats. And we all remember that footage of the tugboat crew off the coast of New South Wales saving the crew of the Portland Bay during the very recent Sydney flooding and the storms off the coast of Australia. That tugboat crew saved people's lives, and yet the company, the multinational company, wants to cancel their agreement. Again, unwinding years of negotiated outcomes. It is too easy for companies to take this option. This is what they do. They are threatening workers, like the New South Wales government locking out transport workers, then trying to take them to court. You have companies like Toughmasters and Svitzer threatening workers, essentially threatening workers by saying they will cancel all of the years of negotiated agreements, all of the conditions that they have won over many, many years, wipe them out at the stroke of a pen unless they agree to a to a degree of reduction. Lose everything or lose a little bit. That's what's being put on the table again and again and again. We can't allow that to continue. It's why it's so important to support the workers at Tuft Masters outside the carpet court in Bell Street, Preston, at noon on the 11th of July. So important to support the Svitzer tugboat crews. It's important to support the health workers in South Australia and WA who are also facing real pay cuts. These are happening right now, right now. While the Sydney Morning Herald is calling lockouts, strikes, and the opposition is trying to fight a culture war about schools while teachers are overworked and classrooms are under-resourced, the workers are trying to ensure our trains are safer, our, our coastlines are safer, that people can buy f- carpet and flooring, that people can attend hospitals, health clinics, that we can live our lives. So it's never been a more important time to join your union. And of course, culturally, it's important too. We've talked on this show and on the week on Wednesday many times about how being part of a union means you're part of your community. 
you are engaged with people. And the terrible things that we've seen happen in Japan and in other places around the world where people are disconnected from community. They are not engaged with people. They feel as though they are trapped, trapped. You know, you can read more about this in Van's book, uh, QAnon and On, A Short and Shocking History of Internet Conspiracy Cults, where she talks in detail about how conspiracy theories take root, how they're weaponized, and the tragic consequences that can occur, but also about how we break down some of that, how we prevent some of that, and absolutely engagement, not trying to argue with people about how they feel about a political leader or a political position, but just engaging people, giving them a sense of connection and community so that they're not lured away by conspiracy theorists and people who want to exploit and manipulate them. So important. And and unions play that role. They play that role each and every day. Safety at work, safety in the community, better job security, more secure communities, better pay, better economies. These things go hand in hand, delivered by unions every day. Speaking of unions, COVID is, of course, rampant once again. And the union movement has pushed for an extension of the COVID disaster payment. Now, unfortunately, the Commonwealth government is not going to do that. They're not going to extend the COVID payment. COVID now takes up 6.4% of hospital beds in Australia. When we spoke on Wednesday, it was at 6%. It has gone up Steadily, it continues to go up. The Queensland Deputy Premier, Stephen Miles, has encouraged people to wear masks. Mask use is encouraged. We have encouraged it on this show. We continue to encourage it on this show. Wear a mask. Those fitted N95 masks are the best ones you can wear. If you can wear those, we'd encourage you to do so. Too many people in too many public places in too many crowded situations are not wearing masks, and it is causing a problem. Yes, it's good that we've seen an extension of the fourth uh, vaccine shot to people over 30, so book in to do that if you're over 30, and an extension and an improvement of access to antiviral medications for people, I believe, over 70. These are good steps as well, but we can't just rely on a medicated solution. We have to make sure that we have proper social solutions as well. A bit of physical distancing, a bit of mask wearing. We're not saying you've got to do it all the time, but if we don't get on top of these things quickly, they can move, as we know, to a very catastrophic situation very, very quickly. That is the weekend wrap for the week on Wednesday this week, Sunday, the 10th of July, 2022. I hope you've enjoyed it. So much happened in those few days between Wednesday and now. Van and I will do a Wednesday episode where we will look in depth at a few of these issues. I'm sure what's happened in Japan will continue to dominate the news cycle, what's happening in the UK, possibly what's happening in Sri Lanka, and any new news that comes up as well. Wherever you are around Australia, whether you're in industrial action in WA or South Australia or Victoria or New South Wales, 
whether you're impacted by the floods in New South Wales, whether you're listening to us overseas, remember, be kind to yourself and to each other.